fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try to What's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street. RotoStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves here for the first time ever. Thrilled to welcome on Dwayne McFarland, the fantasy fullback dive. He's one of pro football focuses, top fantasy analysts, some impressive high stake finishes, a three time FFPC top five finisher. He also hosts two phenomenal podcasts, including PFF's Fantasy Football Podcast with Ian Harditz, who you saw yesterday. He's also on the Fantasy Football Hustle, which you can find at FF Hustle. Dwayne, thanks so much for joining, man. How's it going today? Man, I'm doing great. I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, also, have uh, known who you are for quite some time, and Ian speaks very highly of you. So thanks for having me on. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I've been following your stuff, kind of that longtime listener, first-time caller situation. <laughs> it's great to just be able to ham it up with you today. Pick your brain. I love your process. I love how you explain things. So I think the Wolfpack will enjoy it, too. Really excited to have you on. We're going to be focusing today on players with league-winning upside available after round seven. Everybody knows the round one and two guys you got to go for. But after round seven, there's always those four nets, Connor, Debo Samuels, Mike Williams last year, those guys that truly smash their ADP, swing your leagues. You've also been crushing rankings, tiers, all that other good stuff over at PFF. Is there any other content you guys are working on over there you'd like to pump before we dive into these league winners? Um, yeah, man, people can just go check it out. There's a bunch of stuff. I've been doing a lot of strategy stuff. So I've broken down each position and how you should think about it from a strategy perspective based on ADP this year and how you can create optimal bills. Just dropped an article this morning talking about how running back, running back, running back probably shouldn't be dead in the year of 2022 based on the archetypes that are available. We'll kind of talk about archetypes in a minute with some of these other things we talk about. So all sorts of draft strategy content. Um, and like you mentioned, the tiers, all those things are up. So yeah, just go check it out. That's good news to hear coming from me because me and Harditz actually talked a lot about RB, RB, RB yesterday and how we both love the build this year, given some of the archetypes available. So definitely go check that out again. PFF.com slash fantasy. You want to check that out. Alrighty, guys, we will be diving in again to league winners. How it will eventually essentially go is Dwayne will identify some of the common traits. Like you mentioned that word archetypes, things he looks for when identifying these league winners. And then of course, as you guys are probably here for, we'll give you a pick or two at each position. If you want to find his full list again, pff.com slash fantasy, a great list there to check out. And I do got to give out a quick shout out. Kyle Toons, one of our favorite listeners of all time. He's driving to Maine with his son, Maximus, his first full show. He asked for a shout out. I had to give it to him. Thank you, Toons. What a loyal fan. All you other people out there too. If you got questions, get them on in. I will hit the mailbag once Dwayne has left. He's got a call. He's got to hop off on. So, I want to make sure to respect his time, and we'll get to the mailbag at the end. All righty, Wolfpack, and last call for thumbs up. If you enjoy what you're hearing at any point of the show, that thumbs up does help us grow. Shares, likes, retweets, wherever you're listening, it is so greatly appreciated to keep continuing to grow our audience. So thank you again for being here. Let's dive on in. We'll start at the top with quarterbacks and identifying those league-winning QBs. What's a kind of trait? Is there a common profile stat you look at? How do you identify these league winners at QB, Dwayne? Yeah. So for quarterback, I keep it pretty simple. Um, I'm, I'm looking for the guys that could give me the rushing upside, right? Yeah. So typically if you have somebody that can rush for say maybe seven, 750 yards, it's just almost impossible for them to not finish as a top 10 fantasy uh, quarterback. 
So that's really the big thing. So when you look at that this year, that gives you a player like Justin Fields. You know, people are completely ignoring him. I know he doesn't have a lot of weapons, but I mean, he was at a severe disadvantage due to his play calling last year. They just did not use him in the design run games. When you look at a player like Jalen Hurts, 24 or 23% of his team's design rushing attempts went to Jalen Hurts in the games he played last year. So that excludes games he missed. Same thing for Lamar Jackson, 24%. When you look at a player like, um, you know, Fields, he didn't get anywhere near that. And they just honestly didn't maximize anything about him, like letting him make some of those reads on crossers, deeper plays, things like that. So I fully expect the new offensive coordinator and Luke Getze to really try to work, um, to really use his legs more and to try to highlight the things that he's good at, not trying to make him do the things you would expect someone like Andy Dalton do. Yeah, absolutely. Better usage, more fitting scheme. It's, it can't be worse than what they tried to force that round peg into the square hole last year. It just did not work at all. And, when, and, when, and a lot of people are like, man, but Justin Fields sucks. And Justin Fields had some bad moments, like yeah. no doubt, folks. But remember, remember what Tim Tebow was able to do. <laughs> you know, so Justin Fields can at least be Tim Tebow, like is the easiest way that I know how to put it. You know, and if you guys just go check out like his healthy finishes last year. Like he was a top 10 quarterback at the end of the season every time he was healthy. So it's just it's just tough to not get on fields. And it's an ADP thing, right? You get him free, then you're drafts. He's being completely ignored. Absolutely. No, Tim Tebow, a great point. Top 10 QB. If he could do it, truly anyone can. And when he came in, Justin Fields, I believe he ranked only behind Mac Jones in deep accuracy in this class, according to PFF grades. Joe Burrow and Mac Jones across the last five years, the only guy. So, I mean, he could sling back in the day. He's got some deep speed with Darnell Mooney and, and Maybe Velas Jones. Everyone wants to hate on the guy because he's so old coming out. But for redraft purposes, he could bring a little intriguing skill set. So I'm with you. I think Fields is definitely intriguing down the stretch. The obvious one, and I know you've written about him, you tweet about him all the time, kind of the souped up Justin Fields is Trey Lance with even better weapons around him, a better play caller and Kyle Shanahan. If someone's going to break fantasy uh, after round seven, I truly think it's going to be him. I know you're in agreement there for all the reasons you've kind of mentioned, just even elevated a bit more. Uh, some of the, the league winners will talk about wide receiver, his weapons. Yeah, I have I, I moved Lance. I've got Lance at QB seven at this point, like Ooh. just right behind, uh, you know, Hertz. So I think he's the guy that you can get around 10 of your drafts and you're potentially getting the same thing that the person that took Lamar Jackson in round five, you're, you're potentially getting the same thing they got. And so it's an arbitrage play. You get the rushing upside. The thing with Lance, right, that's better than Fields is we actually know that he's got these great passing weapons around him. We've also seen Kyle Shanahan lead an offense with this kind of quarterback before. Remember, you know, RG3, his rookie season, Kyle Shanahan was a, Shanahan was under his dad, Mike Shanahan, back at that time. But it's just, a, it's mm -hmm. it's huge. Like Lance has QB1 overall in his range yeah. of outcomes, even if he's not even a great passer. Like, so it's just, it's tough to pass on Lance when you get that late. Absolutely. But one guy too, not a you know common Konami quote guy, but we're talking about round seven or beyond. And Dak Prescott goes in that eight, nine range, certainly on underdog at least. And they're talking a bit more about elevating his rushing workload this year. Who knows if they'll actually do that? He is a little bit older. They haven't been using that lately, but I think a lot of that's due to the injury. I mean, the guy is ranked Cowboys first and first in total yards and points last year, sixth and first in total points with Kellen Moore, Dak healthy, fifth and third in passing touchdowns. Dak's been QB2 and QB6. He had five to six rushing touchdowns where he can really get it done. I could see just a whole new ceiling for Dak, even with the weapons downgrade this year. I think he's getting a lot of discount right now that, that I'm bouncing on. Do you, do you see yourself targeting Dak at all? Or are you kind of out on him this year? 
Um, Dak is a guy that I'm fine drafting, but I'm not really, he's not one of my centerpiece players, like yeah. in, in, in my optimal strategy stuff. Like for me, I just feel like he profiles very similarly to, to, you know, Stafford, Rogers, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. I still think he's at this point in his career going to be more of a, uh, you know, pocket passer. I did have him in the tier above right next to Russell Wilson, but the downgrade and weapons were just enough to bump him down. Um, I do think we could see 250 rushing yards and maybe you get four or five rushing scores. And if you get that and he doesn't take a big dip in the passing department, then yeah, I think that's where Dak could come through. So I, I like him at ADP. He's just, it's hard for me to sort him out from a lot of the other guys that sometimes go a round or two later once I get to his profile. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll move on now to the running back position, typically the most important position in fantasy, getting it right. And last year we saw, again, Fournette, Connor, pretty loaded crew of late-round league-winning running backs. Is there an archetype? And I actually, we should preface it in your article you mentioned. We're not talking handcuffs. Obviously, we know like Rashad White would go bananas if Fournette, all that goes down. You mentioned your article. It's people that have actual roles from day one right now. Uh, so we could do a whole show on handcuffs and win <laughs> yeah. leagues. You know, whoever's going in Arizona is it Eno Benjamin, Daryl Williams. Who knows these days? Certainly those guys can be league winners if injury strikes. But we're trying to find the guys that from day one could be those league winners. So, Dwayne, what are some things you look at for running backs and any particular names you want to shout out there? Yeah, so, folks, if you go check out my tiers, like I give you all this data over on PFF. But essentially, there is you, you care about the player's talent, right? Then you pl- care about the quality of their team, their competition for touches. You know, so there's there's multiple factors. And then ADP is also layered in. So y- you can see it all. And I actually lay it out. You know, I've got a color-coded heat map that shows you basically how they score in these different areas. So you can check it out. But at the end of the day, in a nutshell, like when I'm describing it on a show like this, we want explosive playmakers that are going to be involved in the passing game, right? Especially mm-hmm. in PPR leagues, because they just give you so many outs. If their team is in a situation where they can't be down inside the five, if they're an explosive playmaker, they can score long touchdowns, right? Whether it's receiving or rushing. If they're on a bad team and they're going to trail all the time, guess what? They get to be on the field. They're catching passes as a True. PPR back. So you just want these guys that can give you a lot of outs. What you don't want is you don't want an early down grinder, like a first and second down player, you know, on a team that's going to be trailing all the time. Like that's just a roll because once the fourth quarter gets there, they maybe actually get a chance to score because the defense is letting them move down the field. Well, what do they do when they're inside the five? They keep throwing the ball because yeah. they need to keep, they've got to capture possessions and they need to get the ball back and go again. So um, like that would be like Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker love both talent profiles, but on a team that ran on at ran two full games less worth of plays last year than the NFL average team, the Seahawks. So they don't run a lot of plays. You're going to have a committee, two players we like, but how can we put a stake really on either in an offense like that? We don't really know which one's going to get the ball. So I pivot to players like Chase Edmonds, players like James Cook, players like Kareem Hunt. Um, you know, they've got, they, they can score points on their own and they've got contingent value. Every one of those guys we just named has upside contingent value. Kareem Hunt, if he gets traded, depending on where he lands, could go to the moon. If he landed with Buffalo, he's probably around one pick in fantasy drafts tomorrow. <laughs> if he goes nowhere, he scored 17 points per game last year in the first five games with mm-hmm. Nick Chubb on the team, right? So, I mean, More Kareem than Hunt, Chubb actually, too, yeah, <laughs> he has a better role than Nick Chubb. 
He does. He actually gets to play when they're when they're leading. He gets to close the games, and when they're trailing, he gets all the passing down work. Nick Chubb, his game script is pretty narrow. It's right down the middle. Is the game close? Great, hand the ball to Nick Chubb, and even then, Kareem Hunt gets to get out there and get like every third series. So, I like a guy like um, Kareem Hunt. And again, people forget how good he is. If you go look at the talent profile, it's all there. Like this guy grades out similar to Jonathan Taylor and all the Javante Williams, a lot of the big names we really love right now. Kareem Hunt has still got it. Like he's he's you know him and Nick Chubb playing together is just like it, like like it just breaks your mind, right? How yeah. do that? How do two running backs that good end up playing on the same team? Really rare. I think I think uh, Hunt's a top six player. James Cook. I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, he's probably just gonna be the receiving down back. Here's the way I look at it: receiving down back on a team that may pass the ball more than any other in the NFL. Yeah. It's probably not a bad thing. So no. at a floor, you're getting a JD McKissick on a hyped up offense, but. What if all of a sudden, you know, this is a situation where they do give him a few more carries? And remember, folks, Alvin Kamara, not saying that, you know, Cook is Alvin Kamara, but nobody really thought Alvin Kamara was Alvin Kamara in his rookie year either. So let's mm-hmm. be honest. But if you look at a guy like Cook um, and you just think about Kamara, only 27% of the carries Kamara got as a rookie and he finishes a top three running back in fantasy. Why? Because receiving is so valuable. Yep. So in PPR and half PPR, James Cook, I really love. Devin Singletary was the worst receiving running back with at least 200 routes last year uh, based on PFF receiving grades. Also wasn't good the year before. So I expect Cook to fully take over the passing down role. And if the Bills just decide to go warp speed, man, it could be huge for a guy like Cook. Remember, they went very hard after J.D. McKissick. They actually went after Chase Evans before the Dolphins got him. They've got a plan, you know, for this role. Yeah, I've heard you say a million times on your show on ETR, Cam Newton didn't throw to running back till Christian McCaffrey arrived. It's the same idea. We hear that Josh Allen doesn't throw to running backs. He's not going to be used. I think it's BS. Um, And and Hardis brought up a great point on James Cook, too. Even if it takes a little bit this year to, to get going, one, rookies tend to take off in the second half where games matter most. That's important. But, two, if you're doing like a keeper league of any kind, both Singletary and Moss could be gone as of next year. You have James Cook in round 10. And what if he just ends up being the feature back as early as next year? You're talking about Kareem Hunt being a round one pick. James Cook in that role would be approaching round one or two next year. So certainly something to keep in mind. I love the James Cook call, especially if you have any type of keeper cost to go with it. An older and less sexy kind of version of that that I see is Melvin Gordon. It's not attractive. And nobody wants to take him. But I think this 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 uh, Broncos offense is really going to take off under Hackett. He loves using those running backs in the pass game. They've never finished a team under him with fewer than 103 running back targets. Top 10 in running back target target share in six of his eight seasons. And his lead catching running back has always had at least 60 receptions in all but one season, including 90 receptions for fucking Fred Jackson. Like Fred Jackson could break fantasy. I still think Melvin Gordon has a little bit of juice. He's great on the money touches of receptions and 10 touchdowns. Uh, He's got 250 career receptions, 10 plus touchdowns in five of seven seasons. He outscored Javante in 10 of 16 games last year. I do think that flips. I think Javante is an insane player, but you know, especially if anything ever happened to Javante as well. I know we're not talking about handcuffs, so that kind of, I hate to now put that qualifier on there, but I think even with him in there, they're talking about it being close to 55, 45, like it was last year. I think in this new offense, he was good last year in a locket QB. When Russell Wilson comes in, I I think both running backs can eat. I kind of like the cheaper one. It's kind of like the Kareem Hunt over there in Denver, in my opinion. It's a different role. He's not like the the only pass catcher because Javante Shirk had two, but do you have any interest in Gordon or is that just a hideous take? 
No, I've been taking Gordon as well. I think he's a little more dependent on contingent upside than the others. I, I know a lot of this noise has been coming out. My guess is still 60-40 on, on Javante versus Melvin. Yeah. Look, they, they let Melvin hang, man. They, they, they weren't worried about getting him. He basically couldn't get another deal, and That's they brought true. him back. And so when we hear the thing around pitch count, I think the thing we've got to be careful with is – well, pitch count, you know, is probably different for both backs. You know, they might mean, well, that's 22 touches for Javante and it's, uh, you know, an eight touch limit, you know, for Melvin. Like we, we don't know. And it's a percentage, right, based on the way the game is going. Um, but like it's enough that, you know, I get the concern that folks, some folks have, you know, around Javante Williams because he, he costs a second or a third round draft pick, you know, in your fantasy draft. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, when there's opportunity costs at stake like that, I, I get why people would be concerned. And if you are, then I do think that Melvin Gordon, you know, is a great pivot to your point. Um, I, I don't know that he's going to be able to give us enough value to really feel comfortable putting him in a lineup every week. He might. I think the other guys we talked about, um, give me more comfort on that end, but I think his contingent value on top of it is just as good as the other guys we've talked about. If for some reason, Javante Williams goes down, I we're probably ranking Melvin Gordon immediately in the top six backs, you know, for the next week in fantasy. So, um, yeah, I like Melvin Gordon and I have so much Javante Williams exposure, full disclosure that I take Melvin whenever I'm not drafting Javante quite often, (laughs) just because it's a nice little hedge of something, you know, we're early. We haven't played a preseason game yet besides, you know, hall of fame game. So, it's a situation where it's like unite. It's it's nice to have a hedge. Absolutely, the guy I actually have the highest exposure to right now that you mentioned is Chase Edmonds. I, I really love that love, call. Love. I think he's going to be heavily involved in the receiving game. You got all this speed around him. There's going to be so much room to roam. He already is talking about how quote unquote the running back here does a lot. That's why I came here. I believe in Mike McDaniel's, especially in the backfield. I feel like he can utilize my special abilities coming out of there. We've seen obviously and he, he excited the route running mismatches on backers. Like that's exactly. The type of quote you want to hear there. He's a great, efficient receiver, good, efficient runner. I know in pro football focus, he graded out higher in zone than gap schemes throughout his career. So now he's going to one of the best zone schemes you can possibly craft up. I know Raheem Mostert is that sports car. He's going to be a little bit of a thorn for, let's see, make it through a game, I guess, first before we even really laud him as a potential thorn. So he's a, he's fine, but still, even on 35% of the carries, he actually came out in my top 20 running back projections. I think he's going to have 60 catches. I really, really like Edmonds for the archetype that you profiled. Is there anything else you'd like to add on him before we move to receivers? Yeah, the last thing is just explosive playmaker. Um, I think last year, no other player had more plays of 15-plus miles per hour. Uh, according to next gen stats. So a guy that can, that can really cook. And then if you also look at explosive rushing attempts, so those are carries of 10 plus yards or more 16%, the league average over the last three years is 10 and a half percent for running back. So way above the league average. So just what you mentioned, hitting all the things we want, he's got the pass receiving chops. He's an explosive playmaker going to play in an offense that creates a lot of space. Guess what? We're, we're counting on a committee and, and that's why you're still getting him in round seven or eight, but yeah. drafters are sharpening. Drafters are starting to take Chase Edmonds ahead of Antonio Gibson. They're starting to take him over Miles Sanders. So I bake ADP into my tiers and ranks because I don't want people to draft someone too early. But I would much rather draft Chase Edmonds than Antonio Gibson. And now that this is kind of in flux and people are starting to sharpen up, I may actually have to move. Honestly, I may have to move this whole tier of players that I have. Tony Pollard, Kareem Hunt, Chase Edmonds, James Cook. Corderell Patterson is the last guy in the tier older, but still fits the still qualifies. He's explosive playmaker, catches passes. I may just move all of them ahead of the Edwards Alera, Antonio Gibson, Miles Sanders, Damian Harris tier. Uh, wasn't before because those guys would go sooner. And I was just telling people, take receivers and then come back to these guys and you get the best of both worlds. But if people are going to pivot, I may have to flip those two tiers in my ranks. 
Yeah, absolutely. 100% agreement there. And that stat that you cited, it's actually 23% of his carries went for over 15 miles per hour, which was yeah. first among running backs. That's crazy. I mean, almost a quarter, one out of every four carries, he's hitting top-notch speed at 15 plus miles per hour. I'm just intrigued to see what they're building there. So much speed everywhere. If two has got any type of talent, like I'm an, I'm a Pats fan. So the AFC East, I'm just like terrified. The bills are going to be the gold standard. If two is any good with all this speed, it's going to be a, it could be a real problem for the Pats because historically, right. The Pats, you know, they're built as a bigger physical team, but they've always got really two lockdown, at least one lockdown man coverage corner. And then usually they have a lot of times they have two, Man, I, I think the Dolphins are a real challenge you know, for the Pats right now on defense. And the Pats still have a good defense. But, I mean, I think yeah. it's a potential miss. Look, this offense is a mismatch probably for any defense. Like, who's going to really hang with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Chase Edmonds? Then you mix in some Gusecki. You mix, it, you mix in, you know, some Cedric Wilson, who kind of broke out a little bit last year for Dallas. It's, it's going to be tough. Like, Tua's got to do his part, but he really just has to be a facilitator, a la Jimmy Garoppolo, a la Matt Ryan back in the day with the Falcons. Uh, a la Matt Schaub, even at times, like in this kind of offense, you can see quarterbacks that aren't necessary. And, and Matt Ryan's a really good quarterback, but not necessarily like the highest end quarterbacks don't have to carry this offense. Yeah, exactly. And just I look at my show sheet here. One last name I'm going to toss out, before, then we'll ch- jump right into the uh, receivers. But fits the archetype that you continue to mention is Kenneth Gainwell. I mean, 50 targets, uh, 20 red zone touches last year. They're already talking about him kind of locking down those money touches. He goes you know, 60 picks after Miles Sanders. I get Miles Sanders, speaking of explosive backs, like certainly has a nice explosive yards per carry, all that good stuff. But to me, Gainwell that at his price tag behind a great line, like I think that offense is just going to move the ball quite regularly. Wouldn't be surprised at all to see Gainwell blow his ADP out of the water. Yep. Love Gainwell call as well for all the same reasons we just talked about, especially if he's going to be getting the stuff inside the five. And that's the biggest thing for the folks that love Miles Sanders. Um, And to your point, Miles Miles Sanders is an explosive back as well. And, you know, he's not a minus in the, in the passing game, but he's not somebody that works downfield, right? He's a swing pass guy. Kenneth Gainwell can run receiver routes. A lot of the guys we just talked about can actually run routes more like receivers. Um, You know, Naheem Hines fits that, you know, category as well, but doesn't have, doesn't have the rushing upside because JT's in front of him. But at the end of the day, yeah, I love those things about Gainwell. I will say, like, that's another team that if – because I know they've kind of been on the market for a back. If Kareem Hunt goes there, oh, Kenneth yeah. Gainwell and Miles Sanders will never see the field again. Like, no, will happen. Like, he's – people don't realize how good Kareem Hunt is. If Hunt is – again, first-round consideration, as you mentioned. That's one of the – there's a few spots. Bills, the Eagles would be up there as well as a Because that offensive round. line, man, it would just so, – just a monster, yeah. number one run blocking. Great. Oh, yeah. And they're just getting better. I, I love how they build their team in the trenches like that. Good stuff. We'll move on to the receivers. I have plenty of running backs for you guys to consider. Continue to hammer them. And again, if you're here with us, still continue to consider hitting that thumbs up button to help us keep growing, sharing it out, release, you know, retweets, hearts, whatever it is. It always is so appreciated. Thank you guys. We're moving now on to the receiver position. And Dwayne, is there like an archetype of receiver, certain predictive stats or? Your profiles. What do you like about receivers when you're looking for these league winners late? So similar, like overall process, right, to what we talked about with running back. Talent is first. It's weighted the most. Talent matters actually more for receivers than it does for running backs because running backs, you turn around, you hand them the ball. If the offensive line does the job, you got a chance of still doing your job well. A receiver yeah. has got to beat the man in front of them 
could have to play against press coverage, may have to read his own coverage. Offensive line has to do their job and block the quarterback. The receiver have to be on the, there's so many more variables, you know, for receivers to get things right. Um, but there's a lot of things they have to do to be fully in tune with their offense. And so talent is really a big, big part. So the first part is, can they demand targets? That's easy. We look at target shares we look at targets per route run. Can they do something with targets once they get it, once they, once they get them right? So are they a yak player? Can they make explosive plays down the field? Um, ultimately we want players that can do all of that, right? There's just not that many of them. And then we move over to the other buckets that we've talked about, which is what's the team situation. Do they have a good quarterback? How much is the target? What does the target competition look like? Do they have three players also going in the top 36 wide receivers at ADP or do they only have one other teammate or is it just them? So those are all the things and you kind of combine them again. You can see them in my tiers. I actually color code all of this for you and you'll see that's how the tiers break out. You'll look at the top three and you'll be like, oh, I clearly see why Dwayne has Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase. They're blue across the board, blue being good in this case. Every single box is checked. These guys should be the top tier guys. Then you move down a step, down a step, down a step. So that's how I look at it overall. But talent, I do want to emphasize, matters even more for receivers than it does for the backs, which is why you can also sometimes, you know, why, uh, you know, going with zero RB can really work. A big part of it is because you can nail all those other running backs really late that just through an injury alone could still have big fantasy performances. You rarely see that with receivers. You'll, you'll have the starter go down, next guy comes in, gets a 10% sharp target share, right? Why? Because it's harder to earn targets than it is to actually when someone just hands you the ball and you just go run. Absolutely. No, that's a great point. There's only really two like wide receiver quote-unquote handcuffs I've been kind of intrigued by. This isn't a handcuff show, so I don't even want to get too into it, but I do really like Josh Palmer and KJ Osborne, like when they stepped into the roles, they typically scored 16 plus fantasy points. I do like both of those guys and their passing attacks if they were to step into a a number two type of role. But even in a number three, they could have some standalone value. But we are looking for some of those guys that can be potential number ones, maybe number twos to a great number one ahead of them. And and as you mentioned, there's not too many of them falling below round seven that check all those boxes unless there's something wrong with it, whether it's a quarterback situation that's a little uncertain maybe they're a rookie and we haven't seen it yet maybe it's a second year player that showed glimpses but hasn't truly broken out that's typically who you'll find in there so is there any names that you really like that you want to shout out for a league winning receiver going after seven yeah i'll give you three real quick and and again back to the talent thing remember one the later you get in draft the more you should just focus on talent especially a receiver right don't worry about the situation once then if once week one gets here it's all out the door right i mean injuries happen we were wrong about depth charts uh, quarterbacks are better than we thought they i mean just weird stuff happens it's the nfl yeah. and you got to keep that in mind so just buy the talent talent is always going to have more outs right than someone we're just hoping is going to get targets because of a depth chart so when you look at this number one drake london let's keep this mm-hmm. one really simple uh historically speaking receivers taken in the first eight picks of the nfl draft they produce really freaking well. Here they are. Jamar Chase, wide receiver five. Jalen Waddle, wide receiver 12. Corey Davis did miss, wide receiver yeah. 85. He only played 11 games. Mike Williams, wide receiver 137, only played 10 games. But then you get Amari Cooper, wide receiver 21. Mike Evans, wide receiver 13. Sammy Watkins, wide receiver 27. Tavon Austin, can't be perfect, wide receiver 56. Justin Blackman, going back a bit, wide receiver 29. A.J. Green, wide receiver 17. Julio Jones, wide receiver 21. That alone speaks pretty well that we got a shot at Drake London being a top 36 receiver. You're getting him at pick 92, wide receiver 39 right now over on ESPN, uh, you know, uh, My Fantasy League, those kind of sites, right? More, more home leagues happen. Playing in sharper drafts goes about a round before that. Uh, next name I would give you would be Kadarius Tony. 
look, here's the thing with Kadarius Tony. Doesn't matter if you're an analytics bro, doesn't matter if you're a film bro, doesn't matter if you're a both bro. Like it's easy to love Kadarius Tony. Just turn on the film, watch mm-hmm. the guy run routes, watch the guy when he gets the ball in his yeah. hands. But his targets per route run, um, you know, just looking at him versus the rookie class last year, he was one of twelve at a twenty-six percent, which by the way is a wide receiver yeah. one historically. That's crazy. When someone gets to that number, you're gonna be a wide receiver one. Yards per route run, two point oh nine as a rookie. That was two of twelve out of the rookie class. PFF receiving grade, five of twelve, seventy-four point four. Also, historically speaking, if you get to a seventy-five point oh, you're basically on the who's who's list of wide receivers that typically go on to have a wide receiver two finish in their career within the next two years. He just barely missed that mark. So it's not like we want to really hold it against him like really close he just needs to be on the field we're hearing that he's working outside that means he's probably going to be on the field in every set whether they're Mm -hmm. in two tight end whether they're you know in three wide receivers he's going to be out there you got a new coordinator and brian DeBull. i love 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 Kadarius tony he's one of my favorite players to take you can get him right now at pick 109 in your home leagues that's wide receiver 49 if you're playing over on the ffpc nffc any of these sharper sites you know where and mainly because people have been drafting longer right yeah. they've already these a lot of these people man have drafted 20 teams already <laughs> so they just I wish know it was only 20 go. teams for me man oh god I'm <laughs> so, so in those leagues you know tony's going seventh eighth round so you know adjust based on where you are then the last one i would give you would be sky Moore, kansas city the big the mm. big news around sky Moore, right people like him because he plays for the chiefs but you also hear a lot of you know well came from a small school probably not going to be ready for the nfl we're already hearing, oh, well, he's wide receiver four on the depth chart. Don't care. I do not care what a depth chart says right now in, in the preseason. I'm buying the talent of Sky Moore as a collegiate receiver. He was the number one over his career in yards per route run for the routes the NFL teams use the most. So if mm. you make the cut line, NFL teams over the last three years run these types of routes at least 7% of the time. And it's kind of arbitrary, but I just look for the drop off where all of a sudden it drops down. Oh, these routes are like 3%, 1%, 0.5% back shoulder fade. Okay, that's great. Good for Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson back in the day, but most quarterbacks don't use it. So what are we talking about? Slants, crossers, hitches, things that are staples in every single um, you know offense. If you look at Sky Moore over his collegiate career against all the other players in the class, he was the number one in yards per route run by a, by a good margin, right? So, yeah, we got to discount a little bit, played against less competition. But the guy can only do what he can do, right? You line up and you beat the competition across from you. Last two things I'll miss, mention with Sky Moore. Marquise Valdez-Scantley, yes, he got the bag. He got – not really. He got a one-year $10 million prove-it deal is really what he got. But $10 million, great. Good for you, MVS. But MVS, we're going into year five. He's never even been a wide receiver before. He's also never checked any breakout box I like to look at for for players that haven't at least finished as a wide receiver three. PFF receiving grade, blank. Yards per route run, blank. Targets per route run, blank. Also got to play with Aaron Rodgers. Now suddenly we think $10 million and playing with Patrick Mahomes is going to turn MV, you know, as we just sprinkle some fairy dust, going to be this great receiver. Probably not going to happen. If it does, he would be an absolute outlier. Last thing I'll say, Juju still has a chance. Um, he, maybe he's been hurt. Maybe that's been part of the problem. But basically, since his breakout, he's had a deteriorating profile as well. You know, but he's still a young receiver. He does have two top 24 finishes, one top 12 finish, looking at historical benchmarks. So a player like that could still come through at his age. But man, I love Sky Moore, where you can get him in drafts over in your home leagues. Pick 133, wide receiver 55 off the board as of a week ago when I pulled this data down. Um, playing in you know more competitive leagues, going to be a little higher than that. Sky, Sky Moore is going to cost you around nine pick, but I love spending the pick on him um, in either of those in either of those scenarios. Love it. I love loading up on these rookies uh, 100%. The, to- the Tony and Sky Moore, too. 
what we're seeing in camp already, Tony playing some wildcat, moving to the backfield, learning multiple positions. Same with Sky Moore, taking handoffs and clips. And it's training camp clips. We don't want to shoot him to the moon because we saw one handoff in camp. But you just love to see that type of varied usage. They'll be on the field for tons of snaps if that's going to be the case. So, yeah, I, I'm all there. I'm with you. I think he could totally ascend to be the number. I'm all out on MVS too. So, yeah. And we might get a discount on Sky because, you know, the latest is, oh, uh, Miko Hartman's running with the ones. Don't yeah. care. Again, at this point, I can't. Like, Sky Moore's better than Miko Hartman. Miko Hartman, I gave him some, cut him some slack because he was a DB until late in college, right? And the Chiefs basically just it was a bad draft pick they they thought well we might be without Tyreek Hill let's get a fast guy right it hasn't worked out uh but he and Mahomes are never on the same page like the one thing I notice every time I watch a Chiefs game is Mahomes like going like this and like I'm like oh I bet he's pointing to McCole Hardman and every time it's McCole Hardman um so yeah McCole Hardman you're gonna you'll probably hear some buzz around him and I'm, I'm not saying don't ever take McCole with a late pick in your draft I prefer Sky Moore. I think the guy that can get out there and run the complete route tree uh, in this offense has the best chance to be the number two behind Travis Kelsey. You got to put Juju as the next best, but behind that, and once you account for ADP, Sky Moore absolutely is the guy. And just an arbitrary kind of data point for that dropping ADP. 1 a.m. draft last night, just a sick draft for no reason. I don't know why I was doing it, but <laughs> I got him 15 picks below his ADP. And the same idea, Traylon Burks went 12 picks below his ADP after these third and fourth team, you know, running with the second team. It's depth chart season. It's by these dips. By these dips. It's, I, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect it's time. Edge. Perfect time edge. to get in on underdog. Use code RSJ for a $100 deposit match. But uh, it's a great time to get in and because these guys are dipping with these depth charts and they are so talented. Like, even again, the, the rookies often, whether it takes till midseason or not, look at a Monroe St. Brown last year. If you didn't have him, you didn't win any of your best ball leagues at the top of those tournaments. He won people. Remember, remember Justin Jefferson, his rookie yeah. year. Ola BC Johnson's the starter, and Justin <laughs> Jefferson was going undrafted. Uh, sickening. Just absolutely sickening. Another re- rookie receiver who actually might step right in and have a huge role that I do like is Jalen Tolbert. We already cited those numbers about the passing attack for Dak, uh, first and first total yards. First in points last year, second and second in passing touchdowns. And there's a wide open opportunity here. 205 vacated targets, 1,898 air yards, 16 inside the 10 looks. And that's still accounting for Michael Gallup being on the team. He probably will miss at least the first month of the season. We got a guy here, 33.4% college target share in Jalen Tolbert, 51.2% college dominating per player profiler. So pretty good, just measurables of a guy that could be an alpha and handle the the workload four four nine speed at six one like a nice just athletic profile that's done nothing but be impressive throughout camp. They have no urgency to sign a veteran. I wouldn't be shocked to see Will Fuller go there. I'd actually love to see it. I think it's a perfect fit for the six games he lasts. It'll be a great little bridge to get to Michael Gallup. But ultimately, whether he's there or not, it sounds like Jalen Tur- Tolbert's really really impressing. So that's just another rookie. Hammer rookies like the uncertainty of rookies has these guys in good offenses falling and, and I, I really like him his ADP is starting to, to really creep up on underdog and some of the sharper sites but according to ESPN it's like 150 right now so like yeah love that one for sure uh do you have any interest in Jalen Tolbert yep, is that I do one? I yeah. do his ADP is starting to creep up to the point where you got to consider like what do you need for your roster now but if yeah. I'm in the market for a wide receiver at that moment usually honestly like I'm I'm like coin flipping him and um Julio um Jones I know Look, at first when I heard the Julio thing, I'm like, man, whatever, you know, 33. 
And I'd done some research, you know, over the last 10 years, looking at what, you know, receivers had, where their typical cliffs came, you know, what they look like, maybe if they had not done as well the two pre the two seasons before, all that, and did all this work, and which is the beauty of Twitter, right? And I'm like, okay, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm fading some of these older receivers and Adam Harstad, who's just a freaking badass. Like, he's so yeah. smart. He comes to me, he's like, man, you probably want to go look at the data, like, even longer back. And I didn't because I didn't have all of the advanced data like over at PFF that I could match up with their normal data. And I was like, well, Adam's right. So I went on vacation and I read a bunch of his stuff and I went back and just started researching all these guys. I was like, holy crap. Like, yeah, I, you know, if I go back an extra 10 years, like there's all these receivers at age 30. Freaking uh, Terrell Owens. Like I'm a huge Cowboys fan. I live in Dallas. I didn't remember that Terrell Owens was 33 when he came to Dallas and went nuts and then went nuts again at age 34. And so I went back this, I put a tweet out. You guys can check it out. Uh, you know, we don't have to keep on on it, but I just basically said, here are the 15 receivers that are ahead of Julio Jones right now on the all time NFL receiving list. And here's what they did at age 33 season. Most of them were hits. And so again, he just has to stay healthy. He doesn't have a clear path necessarily to a role either, but he plays on the bucks, plays with Tom Brady, has heavy offense. Again, all you're looking for later is if you believe that Julio Jones is still talented, you just throw the injuries out the window and as a 12th round pick. You throw all that out the window because there's a lot of the talent could equal a lot of things. Chris Godwin gets re-injured. Chris Godwin's slow to recover. Mike William, Mike Evans gets dinged up. Russell Gage isn't delivering the way we thought he would. He could just outright beat out Russell Gage, and I like Russell Gage. But, I yeah. mean, it's, it's Julio freaking Jones. He has outs. Absolutely. That's a really good one to shout out there. We're talking about all these young guys go to the opposite end of the spectrum. I think that's a great name to shout out there. Over 700 pass attempts. There's an aerial pie there. He can certainly have some spike weeks for sure. Yeah, you don't have to have a 30% target share in Tampa. (laughs) You can do it on 20, right? Exactly. Exactly. We'll hit tight ends real quick. I know we're getting up against it. I'd love to run you through our no huddle offense and really do the rapid fire with you. But is there any tight ends? Is there anything that you really look for for tight ends? And is there any name that stands out to you as a potential league winner after round seven? Tight end similar to receiver, you really need to be talented. Uh, and if you want a chance at a top five outcome, you have to be talented. Like you, mm-hmm. you could still come through just on volume, but it, it's mainly why I'm off Dalton Schultz because he's round six. So I'm fading Dalton Schultz. The tight end I would rather have is Dallas Goddard. Yeah, he could be yeah. on a run heavy offense. Yeah, he could. He's going to have to deal with AJ Brown, Devonta Smith. But you know what? I don't care. I like the talent profile better because Dallas Goddard. You look at his yards per route run. You look at his targets per route run. You look at his PFF receiving grade. Guess what they equal? They equal George Kittle. They equal Darren mm-hmm. Waller. They equal Travis Kelsey. He's the guy that if front for, for any reason, any number of reasons, he hits on any of his outs. Eagles pass the ball more. Some A teammate gets hurt. He actually just gets targeted more than Devonta Smith. Who knows what the hell's going to happen, but the guy's talented. And so whether the season goes good, whether the season goes bad, I would rather take Dallas Goddard in round eight of a fantasy draft than take Schultz in round six, where I've got to pass on an elite dual threat quarterback like Jalen Hurts, like uh, you know Kyler Murray slides into the sixth round. Like those quarterbacks are much more likely to break your league and make your you know league mates like want to pull their hair out when they look at your lineup than what Dalton Schultz is going to do as a round six pick. Love that call out. I think there's a huge teardrop after Goddard too, where it's just like throw Dig. some dart throws at guys in good offenses like Hayden Hurst or even Kyle Rudolph. Like Ertz maybe. is in that last like Ertz is technically in like my breaking point. Yeah. But da- but Dallas Goddard I would much rather have because of the talent profile. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Ertz is the, the yeah, top 10 kind of break. Yeah. There. Ertz is kind of like, well, you don't have a quarterback. You don't have a tight end by now. If you really think you want a tight end, like pull the parachute, pull like, the parachute. <laughs> right. Otherwise yeah, just him. take three, three, just stabs yes. completely. So I'm with you there. 
I'm intrigued by Dawson Knox. Just I know it's a, a touchdown bet, and maybe he regresses to the mean, but he did have the same. Just uh, Joe Bashuli, a great a- athletic beat writer there, did a great comparison of how a lot of his measurables last year stacked up to Kelsey. And now, you know, air yards per target, yards per catch per target. Obviously, Kelsey's going to have a little bit less efficiency when he's seeing triple the workload of Dawson Knox. But there was a lot of intriguing things where he suggested Knox may be only scratching the surface and could actually develop into less of just a red zone threat and more of an all around the field. There's certainly target share available there. Everybody, whether it's Gabe Davis, and I got another whole podcast we could do there. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't mind Dawson Knox. I mean, a guy that touchdown score and one of the best offenses in the league, as you mentioned, what if they hit hyper speed and go for like 80% pass rate, like, Dawson Knox would just repeat the touchdowns and maybe he gets a little bit more yards to go. Are you out on him or too much of a touchdown guy? Or what are your thoughts? Uh, Yeah. So Knox, I've got him at the top. He's my first player in tier two. Um, You know, I think there's definitely some things to like. My biggest concern is, 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 you know, the number one thing I want to see from a wide receiver tight end is an ability to, to, to demand targets. Mm-hmm. And Knox just hasn't, right? His yeah. targets per route run, 14%. Like, I mean, Kelsey's 21%. Andrew's 24%. Waller, 23%. Yeah. Kittle, 24%. So he really profiles more as like a low-end tight end, too, from an ability to demand targets. Yards per route run, obviously, when you're not demanding targets, goes down 1.16. But the other things mentioned is uh his deep threat rate means targets over 20 plus yards 14%, you know, that's 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 one of the better marks at tight end. Yards after the catch 5.8, one of the better marks as a mm-hmm. tight end. Explosive plays. So that's your uh targets, your 15 plus yard receptions divided by your targets um for receivers, so that's 20%. Also, one of the better marks. So yeah. once you get the ball in his hands, he does have some ability. He also has ability to stretch the field out. We just need to see him demand targets at a higher rate. And the reason he's not demanding targets, part of it is probably like he just hasn't been very good yet in that area. He only has a PFF receiving grade of 63.6. When I look at him versus man coverage, one of the things that's like more sticky year over year, he's more of a middle of the pack type of player as far as being able to generate a step or more of of separation. But tight ends get to play against a lot of zone. Um, and they get a lot of mismatches versus linebackers versus safeties. So he's still a young enough player, only 25.8 years old, and he gets to play in a good offense. And I'm still willing to take a swing. Not completely hanging my hat on him by any means, though. Absolutely. Awesome, Dwayne. Well, I know we're getting up against it. Do you want to give this no huddle offense a shot? Yeah, and let's after do it. A couple let's see minutes, how far we get. I'm let's see try. how far we get. You got to force me, like, just slap me if I go too long on any of these. Like, <laughs> say, no, dude, one, you only get to say, like, five words. Absolutely. So first names, everything that comes to mind, just rapid reaction. We'll start at the top. First five picks of every draft should be. Jonathan Taylor, Christian Caffrey, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase. Who is the late round league winning QB this year? Uh, I would give that if we're calling Trey Lance late, then it's him. If you want to go even later, if you want to go late, late, Justin Fields. Who gained the most value in your opinion this offseason? Probably James Conner and Leonard Fournette. Not great profiles, but not a lot done to add competition. Um, so uh, James Conner's probably number one, Fournette's two. They did at least draft Rashad White. There you go. Who lost the most value in your opinion? Um, Antonio Gibson, (laughs) you already got to give your passing down work to JD McKissick. And now you're going to share early down work and maybe lose carries inside the five. I just don't see the path for Antonio Gibson. Like he, he needs a JD McKissick injury, right? That would unlock his PPR value. Exactly. Who do you think the highest scoring rookie is after Brees Hall and Drake London? Oh man, I would have said Drake London. I'll go sky Moore. There we go. Gabe Davis. Yay or nay? Nay at ADP in sharp leagues, yay in home leagues. 
Very, they're like three rounds apart, depending on where you're drafting. Insane, yeah. Him and and Allen Robinson, like the gap in some of their ADPs, it's just nuts. Yeah, Uh, it's huge. (laughs) Next Cooper Cup probably won't be one, but if there was, it would be. Amon Ross St. Brown. Free agent or traded player that you think feasts in their new home? Uh, well, Russ Wilson. (laughs) The 101 of fast food. Uh, I would go one-on-one Chick-fil-A is my family's go-to. These kids love some Chick-fil-A, man. So, and and it's good. You know, the thing about Chick-fil-A, it's consistent. It's always consistent. I know what I'm getting. Always steady. Early rounder, one or two that busts the hardest. You know, I'm not hugely worried about anyone this year, but if I had to pick one, it's Leonard Fournette because he still had, he profiles as a replaceable player. Um, you know, not explosive, you know, he's good in the passing game. He's on a really good offense, but a lot of our projection around Lenny still comes from, we just think he's got all the work. There you go. Who's the mid rounder that blows up and is suddenly in the 2023 early rounds next year. 2023. Uh, Rashad Bateman. What's the greatest TV show of all time? Seinfeld, man, I still fall asleep to it. Like, I, like if I just need something to wind me down at the end of the day, and I just want a good laugh, like the jokes still hold up. Like, even if they're like they're outdated based on technology, you know, it's still funny. His jokes even still hold up. He's talking about call waiting and stuff like that, yeah. and just about how nobody wants to get away from their phone. It's the same thing. We've just now yeah. advanced it so much further that like it's even worse now. It's awesome. What's the most important coaching hire of twenty twenty two? I would say the most. In, in, Mike McDaniel, like what he could potentially do to like, like we've seen that type of coordinator elevate average quarterbacks and enable all these weapons around them to still be good. Even if they run the ball. Absolutely. The most important preseason story or battle you're watching. James Cook got to make sure he's got the passing down work, but if he does, Will's up. Awesome. Who's the year two blow up, not chaser Waddle. Uh, probably go back to Bateman again. Who's the player you'd most want to have a drink with? Um, you know, I would probably say this one would be Kyler Murray. Cause maybe I don't get to play call of duty anymore. Maybe I can play <laughs> some call of duty with him, but I'm just fascinated by these guys that are just so elite on both levels, throwing and running. And, and the fact that coordinators are actually willing to use both aspects of their game nowadays, unlike back, like when Michael Vick had to battle through all those crappy coordinators, you won't leave your 2022 drafts without, uh, James Cook or Sky Moore. Love it. And your boldest 2022 prediction, just a reminder of where our listeners can follow you and find your work. My boldest prediction, James Cook finishes inside the top 15 running backs. Love it. And where can our listeners find you and your work? Uh, They can find me on Twitter at Dwayne McFarland, D-W-A-I-N-M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-D. Of course, you can find me over at Pro Football Focus, whether you want to look at the uh, written content or whether you want to use our download our new app, which you can check out, or mm-hmm. if you want to listen to me on the podcast with Ian. And then of course I do the fantasy football hustle with Brian Drake, do one of those every week as well. Awesome. Well, Dwayne, thank you so much. I know you got to get out of here, but this was such a blast talking ball with you. I love your thought process. I love your player takes. It's just a joy to be able to pick your brain today. So thanks again for the time. Really, really appreciate it. All right, man. Hey, I appreciate it. Awesome. Have See a ya. great rest of your day. Cheers, man. All righty. We'll pack. Thank you guys again so much. Hopefully you enjoyed that. You can again find Dwayne McFarland at Dwayne McFarland on Twitter, pff.com slash fantasy. Tons of great stuff. We went back to back with PFF guys for a reason. I really like the crew they have there right now with him hard. It's their podcast together. It's pure gold. So if you like listening to me, I highly, highly recommend going to listen to those guys. They are geniuses. So check out that podcast and the fantasy football hustle. Brian Drake, he's also a very underrated 
great name to toss out there. We already shouted out Maximus, but Tunes, if you're still listening, another shout out for Maximus. Cheers. First full live show. He'll be a wolf before you know it, howling by the ride home. Prince, what's going on? Uh, <laughs> cool. Uh, uh, hello, friends and gnome lovers. I am a gnome lover, so thank you, Prince. I don't know what exactly you're talking about. It doesn't seem... Dwayne is awesome indeed, Cody. Thank you so much. If you're also watching on Twitter, I should have said this because uh, a good amount of our audience does come from Twitter. Those questions aren't coming in anymore on StreamYard. I've, I've emailed. I don't know why. So if you're trying to ask questions on Twitter, I apologize. I promise I'm not ignoring you. Uh, come on over to YouTube if you have a question that you want me to hit here uh, for sure. So there we go. Dwayne is awesome, though. That was such a blast to talk with him. He is great. Prince, now talking some football. That's what I like to see, Prince. Uh, both these guys. Thank you, man. He's an absolute stud for sure. Uh, I think Cleveland will come to their senses to trade Hunt. I mean, it'd be the best case for everybody, right? Chubb would have an easier path. They did use a committee once, even when the Hunt was hurt last year. Dearness kind of took that Hunt role. Uh, but still, easier path to more volume. He's such a good receiver, too. I mean, he's not Alvin Kamara, Nick Chubb, but still a great player. Like, he made some insane acrobatic catches. So I would love to see it, especially for Hunt's value, too. Even though he did average over 17 fantasy points per game those first couple weeks uh first five weeks more than nick chubb while they were both healthy yeah let's let's get him to buffalo you know let's get him to the eagles as me and Dwayne were speculating they'd be crazy there bk what's going on thanks oh dude thanks so much for the super chat it is greatly appreciated great to see you bk under a new name hiding out there but love to see it thank you so much for supporting the show it is so greatly appreciated man uh awesome to have you back awesome to be back and you know you have my number. Let's chat ball anytime, man. I love talking ball with you. I feel like this time last year, we're up in uh, Maine chatting fantasy football, meeting for the first time. Great, great time up there. Uh, getting Sky more in the 13th. Oh, yeah, Prince, steal. He goes around 9, 10, and underdog, and I still really like him there. So if you're getting him 13, 14th, I mean, love every second of it. 30% Tolbert, drafters. Yeah, I'm all in too, Prince. So we're on the same, uh, same mindset here for sure. What do you think of DeAndre Hopkins getting – him 35% of the time I can cut. I, I'm with you because you know, there are some people that, that did point out he wasn't necessarily the Hopkins of old last year. He started out on fire. I mean, like 15 targets, something crazy in week one, but it's tended to kind of get tapered off. I don't know if he was dinged up or what. Obviously he got hurt by the end of the season. I, I still love the play. I mean, the only tough part for me is Hopkins is typically going around some of the guys I really like Michael Thomas, Maybe not anymore. That was a kind of decision point. And I would go Thomas and, and hope for the full season. He goes near Brandon Ayuk, who I'm really falling in love with. We didn't talk about him on the show today, but if you like Lance, I love stacking him up with Brandon Ayuk. Uh, so it was great. Um, so that, that's the one thing I'm not landing a ton of Hopkins is the guys he's going around. I really like. I think there's just still a – if he falls on, on DraftKings, for example, he'll fall to like round eight, nine. Uh, all in love it like I already have my four good receivers to can make up for it now I get a, an injection of a probably every week when we're doing rankings and he's back he's going to be a top 10 receiver every single week so yeah I, I totally get the thought process I've just been leaning towards like an IUK those guys but if you if you have, especially when you start like receiver receiver and you have some real horses out there some target hogs at the receiver position I could totally see that move for sure thank you thank you BK you're the absolute man uh, thank you guys for the kind words. He was the absolute man, uh, for sure. I like, uh, that almost, I know you're, you're driving tunes. I don't know exactly what you're saying. My entire dynasty dynasty team is, uh, on his up and up. I love it. Yeah. I, I think, you know, you obviously have the rough start tunes with, 
Cam Akers getting hurt, and uh, it, it didn't look pretty for you the day after the draft. But I think your team is really – you embrace the rebuild, the productive struggle, and you only really had to do it for a year. I think you had some really intriguing talents and prospects in your dynasty league that we've talked. Max smiled and said, <laughs> howl for me, Max. Howl. I love it. Uh, the, the youngest – Wolf out there right now. We got to get you some of the uh, the baby line that we're uh, making, uh, a merch store and all that good stuff. Wolfpack, thanks again so much for joining me. These these fantasy wolves, I, I would love to obviously keep the time steady where it's like every day at 11, we have a new wolf. But of course, I got to do it on the guest's availability because it's the busy season for us all. So if and when a guest can come on, I'm just taking them when we can. I have the summer break and I don't have kids yet. So I have a little bit more flexibility in my schedule. So I apologize that we're kind of popping up at random here. Just follow me at Roto Street Wolf or on Instagram. We'll always post uh, in the morning if we have a show coming on that day, what time it will be. Me and the truth will be going live for a baked best ball. It's been so long since we've got one of those in. Uh, we'll probably go live as well for the preseason game, a little uh, preview for the games on Thursday as well. Uh, so if you haven't already, that thumbs up does help us grow. If you enjoyed the content and you're not a subscriber, please consider subscribing, helping us continue to grow the pack. We also have tons of written content at RoadStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed fancy wolves. And my guy, finishing it up today, I won't leave the house until it's done. So it will be up before your preseason games on Thursday. You can count on it. If not, I'll give it to you for free if you're here listening. Uh, so check that out this Thursday for sure. Better year, DeMont or ETN? You got to go ETN there just for the upside. Like I think Want might have the better floor. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because we haven't seen ETN on there. But the ceiling is just... So much higher, certainly in a league, whether it's half or full PPR, ETN might catch 70 to 80 ball. That's the type of profile you like. I know there's risk the Jags might suck. I know there's risk. Uh, is Trevor Lawrence actually going to end up saving his career? We'll see. But I like Peterson. I think he's, you know, brings a decent enough offense. Whether it's him or Reich, we'll find out this year. Uh, that, that was really the brilliance behind that, that Eagles scheme when they were exploding. But it's certainly not going to be worse than Urban Meyer. Uh, and ETN's been the star of camp. All that good stuff. So I go, I go ETN certainly uh, in a vacuum, unless you needed like a guaranteed like Montgomery's been a horse and he finished the year really strong. He's got the easiest schedule among running backs. There's certainly things to like. I think everybody's hating on him. Plus, we got the guys. Uh, you know, he's in special teams and stuff. Like, shut up. He's he asked to go to special teams. He's pining for a new contract. So I think there's a lot to love about Montgomery, and people are kind of hating on him unnecessarily. All that being said, ETN certainly brings far more ceilings. So in a vacuum, I'm going to go ETN as a better pick. Gonzo, my man, good to see you on the stream. Uh, love love uh, beating up with you in Boston the other day. That was a blast to meet an OG Wolfpack member. Tell your boy to reach out that uh, introduced you to, to RSJ. Still want to talk to him and just thank him for giving us a great fan. It's been awesome. Uh, it was so such a blast to meet you. That's the best part of this is when we get to meet you guys in person and have our live shows and all that stuff. Like love talking to you through the screen, but when we have people visit, I mean, Lynn Clegg coming over from Australia, I didn't get to meet him sadly, but those are the type of stories that you're just like, oh, if I've ever heard a day where I'm like, why am I doing this? I want to go to the beach. Like, well, you, you meet these awesome people, these awesome fans, and it's, it's so much more worth it to put the work in for that. My man, Mark Gonzo. How high are you on AJ Brown versus Allen Robinson and Scary Terry? That's a that's a great question because there's really good bull coast cases for them all. I I think I have AJ Brown just because he's so talented. Like the surroundings are the best for Robinson, and I love Robinson. I love the talent. Like as long as Stafford and that tendonitis are okay, which is it's 
an if at this point, something to check out. Uh, he has like everything, just if you were grading him out, the fantasy stock profile, right? Talent, surrounding talent, usage, all that good stuff. Like it's all in Allen Robinson's favor. The only real risk is like, is he washed? And that's why he sucked. And I don't buy that for a second. I think he's still great. Um, I, you know, I think he just kind of quit on his team, which you hate to see. But at the end of the day, he was getting phased out by his coordinators. Like it was just a, everything could go wrong situation. And I think he's now in an everything goes right situation with Stafford, with Cooper Cup drawn. There's, there's going to be plenty of volume there for him to have a top 10 season. So I, I have more Allen Robinson just because A.J. Brown does go about a half round earlier. He's been the star of camp, though. I mean, every report is like this guy is bringing a new level to his game. I, I love him. I absolutely love the talent of A.J. Brown. Um, if I was building a franchise, he might be the first receiver I take. Like, uh, well, no, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. But, like, it, he's got some real, real – he's in that, like, next-tier conversation. Um, to me, Terry's a distant third. And not, again, because I don't like Terry. If we were talking to Harditz today, he's his most owned receiver we talked about yesterday. So I do really like Terry as a player. I'm just worried, like, yes, Wentz, best QB he's ever played with. So that's nice. I really love this Dotson kid they drafted, too. I wouldn't see it, you know – I would not be shocked at all if it's like a 1A, 1B situation where you can get Dotson at 150. You have to put like a, a top 40 pick to get Scary Terry. You have to probably pass on Allen Robinson to get Scary Terry. So if that's the case, I'm going to go Allen Robinson over Terry for sure. I'd rank them A.J. Brown, Allen Robinson, like literally 30, 31 uh, overall in my rankings. They're neck and neck. Um, and I do think Allen Robinson has the higher floor, which is kind of crazy. And then Scary Terry would be a, not a distant third, but – I definitely would take either of those other two ahead of Terry myself. A lot of people don't agree with that. Most people would have Terry above at least A-Rob. But I go Brown, A-Rob, scary Terry. Very little Dobbins. Do you trust him after a very bad injury? Prince, it's a great question. He's back off the PUP. I mean, here's what I do buy. One, I love the talent. Last time he was out there, led the NFL in yards per carry. I know that's not like a, the stickiest of stats or like it doesn't truly measure – but what it did show, like Greg Roman's run scheme, it, for all his faults in the passing game, he he schemes the best run game in the NFL. It's creative. It's a mix of pin and pulls and zones and all this good stuff. And Dobbins, the reason when they drafted him, why I love the spot is because he had all that mix of com, you know types of systems at Ohio State, and he thrived. And we saw that as a rookie, whether they were running a zone play, whether they were running a power gap scheme, Dobbins thrived. And I, I really, really like the player. The injury, it's always just like – how bad is it? Is it going to linger? The fact that he's cleared and they took it so cautiously with him, I bet you he's close to 100. Maybe maybe he is 100, given how kind of bubble-wrapped they've had him. And so now he's walking into an offense that's remolding itself to 2019. 598 carries, the most by nearly 100 that year. A, a great talent in an offense that couldn't have a bigger ground pipe. They will be using a committee. The thing is, is Gus Edwards might not be ready for week one. They're saying he probably won't be. Who knows how long that's going to take? I don't think all the carries suddenly go to Dobbins. They'll certainly mix in you know, Mike Davis or Tyler Bader. They're saying Justice Hill looks good. I don't know. Somebody will be involved because that's just how they run their scheme. But Dobbins can do a lot with a little. So if he is healthy, that's the big F. Love to see him play some preseason, see if he's got that juice. Would love to watch for some highlight clips. Uh, I typically – here's the thing, though. I know I just kind of hyped him up, but I, I do really like him. I'm hyping up as like the, the running back I like in round six. Now, here's the deal is I typically have three running backs by then anyways. So I like the receivers more. I, I don't have a lot of Dobbins because I typically have two to three running backs by round four. 
and I'm just hammering the receivers. You know, I'm on Ross St. Brown right there. Or uh, I really like Thielen. IU can round tight. Like I, I kind of go three running backs in the first four, and then I just hammer receivers. Mike Thomas in that range. Some of the guys we're talking about in seven. But, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be – if Dobbins' price doesn't adjust for him being healthy, if, you, if we see the clips, I, I could see him – He's him and Dylan are, like, really the – I don't want Gibson. I don't want Josh Jacobs at all. Puke. If I'm going running back there, if I need, like, a profile, Dobbins is the first guy I look at, and I also do, like, A.J. Dillon, too. He has dropped a bit print, so, yeah. That was a long-winded response. Uh, but I Great name to toss out there. I actually have Cortland above all the receivers I talked about. Um especially with no Tim Patrick there now. I mean, Russ Wilson, delicious aerial pie, now concentrated to fewer mouths. Yes, please. Like, no doubt about that. So I love, I, I am in love with Cortland side. And I, uh, you know, Judy, the case, everything's there. So I don't mind buying Judy when he goes at, you know, round five, but he's kind of creeping up into Sutton territory. To me, it's not even close. Like I, I am a hundred percent on Cortland. Judy has some smooth ass routes, but like, Let's see it. Let's see him stay healthy. Let's see him. Ca- I don't know. I, I'm still not sold completely on Judy. I'm, I am all in on Sutton. I mean, that too, it's going to be like his DK. You know, he's not, he isn't DK. DK, nobody's DK. <laughs> Biggest freak in the NFL. But Sutton has gotten it done with Drew Locke. We haven't really seen Judy get it done with anybody. If he's going to get it done, certainly I'd be with Russ. Can like the price, but it's one or the other. It's Cortland for me. I'm with you, Prince. All righty, Wolfpack, that was a blast. Thank you guys again so, so much for being here early. We'll be live again, like I, I said, me and the truth, tomorrow, 7 p.m. for A, Easter time. Baked Best Ball, one of my favorite shows to do. Just get high and draft. What's better than that? Uh, it's a little bit more free-flowy. Last time a, a listener asked, like, rank your top cereals in tiers, like great questions, that type of stuff. It's a more fun, laid-back, like not as heavy, you know, 13%. It's not that analytical. It's, it's just a good time. So if you enjoy that, that's your vibe. Come on down. Hit the subscribe button either way if you if you haven't already. We'd love to have you repeat return because we have some great guests lined up throughout the whole summer. You can always find when a guest is coming on at Road Street Wolf on Twitter, at Road Street Journal on Instagram as well. We post the schedule and all our content at RoadStreetJournal.com. We read Feed You Fantasy Wolves, my rankings. So many great articles on everything. So check it all out. Wolfpack, thanks again so much for being here. Thanks for the great interaction, great questions. And thanks again to Dwayne McFarland at Dwayne McFarland, pff.com slash fantasy. One of my, that that was just my first time talking to him. What a genius that guy is like simple, but so smart like that. Nothing better than that. When you make great takes, you lay them out clearly. He's the man. That was awesome. I I hope he becomes a recurring guest. It was so fun to talk with him and his show is great at the PFF fantasy football show with Ian Harditz. If you missed that episode, check it out today. Round by round draft plan. Harditz. Barrett last week, top 20 running backs. I know I'm rambling. Check it all out. And a world full of fancy sheep, guys. Be the wolf. We used Later. to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. We stole the show. At least we stole the show. Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old fashioned.
Clemson football right there, folks.